Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. Hey everybody, I'm glad you're you're here with us, and I'm glad you decided to check in and, and see what uh, what's going on down in the Florida Panhandle this week, and I uh, hope everyone had a uh, fantastic uh, 4th of July holiday weekend. We actually decided to take the week off. Um, the guides were super busy, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, the waterways are just busy that time of year, and a lot of things are full swing, and uh, so, you know, we just decided to, to just lay out a little bit, so... Glad you're back with us, though. We got a great show for you. It's the 18th episode, and I got to tell you, that is hard for me to believe because 18 weeks now we've been doing this. Actually, 20 weeks because we've skipped a couple episodes along the way, but 18 episodes, wild. And so uh, hopefully you've enjoyed them. Hopefully you've gotten something out of it and uh, maybe caught a few fish because of us. So um, if not, just tell us you did. You know, makes us feel good. But this week we decided to... uh, you know, kind of explore some options that are maybe a little different than what we've been talking about in the past, because in the past, uh, I don't know, for the past several weeks, you know, it's tarpon, and uh, it's tarpon season, the migration's in full swing, and, you know, myself and and the guides get really excited about tarpon season, and a lot of it's because it's just kind of a novelty thing. I mean, when it's here, you got to really jump on it, and, and that's what they've been doing, and that's what their clients want them to do, and so, you know, kind of like Red Snapper, same way, you know. So we've been spending a lot of time the last couple of weeks talking about um, catching these migratory tarpon and catching Red Snapper offshore. So kind of wanted to take a different uh, different spin on some of that this week. Um, we're going to hear from Captain Justin Leake over in Panama City Beach, and, you know, he's going to talk to us about catching uh, other target species, you know, other species that you can target um, outside of tarpon and snapper and because let's face it you know the weather is going to dictate a lot of what you're able to do uh, with the tarpon migration and it's going to probably dictate a lot of what you're able to do or what you're willing to do uh, to go chase these red snapper offshore so you know what do you do on those those strange weather days and we've had plenty in 2020 right it's uh, 2020 is really really sizing up to be quite a year for a lot of reasons but the weather's been interesting so what do you do on those days you know, when, when you still want to spend time on the water, you still want to put a fish in the boat, uh, but the, the species that you want to target uh, is just a little bit out of reach because of weather or wind or whatever. And so we're going to talk about kind of what he does and some of the things that you can fish for uh, in the Panama City area inshore, and, uh, and it's really a, a really great conversation. We're also going to hear from Captain Lionel, and uh, Captain Lionel over in Destin has uh, – has a, an incredible story about a monster, monster tarpon that he was able to put one of his clients on uh, last week. And so he's going to tell us all about that, kind of give us the details. And so uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Destin tarpon bite and a little bit about how Lionel's been been uh, been chasing those those silver kings over there and um, going to hear about this, this crazy big tarpon that they caught. So uh, very interesting conversation with Captain Lionel over in Destin. And then last, we're going to talk to Captain Brandt. Captain Brandt over in Pensacola um, gives us a lot of great information uh, for catching red snapper inshore, in the bay system of the, the Pensacola area. Um, it's a little bit of a deeper bay system, and, and so that opens a lot of doors um, for, for people that just, you know, I, I'm one of them, have a smaller, you know, inshore boat. And, you know, you can't sit around and wait for these perfect opportunities to run offshore. So, you know, we're going to talk about how he targets Red Snapper inshore uh, in, in Pensacola. And so just a lot of great information this week. So I'm glad you're here. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. And that way you don't miss an episode and you can really stay on top of what's happening uh, down in the Florida Panhandle and what, the, what, what our guides are catching down there. Also, I want to ask you to tell a friend and, and, sh- and share the information that, that we offer here on the podcast because, you know, the, the, the more people that listen, the better it gets. And it just really, you know, we can really do a lot of things with, uh, with strength in numbers. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you to do that. And, and if you already have, I really appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Captain Justin, how you doing, buddy? Wonderful, Brad. How about yourself? Man, doing great. So, uh, 4th of July is behind us and, uh. That was a busy time for you guys. So uh, <laughs> always, yeah, still is. Yeah. So we took a week off and uh, yep. took a little vacation. So we haven't talked in a while. So how is uh, how's the fishing been down there? 
man, it has been really good depending on the day and depending on the weather. Um, you know, always. The, the weather <laughs> always dictates what we're going to do. You know, we've talked about tarping a lot lately, and that's my uh, go-to. That's my love in June and July. Um, but, and it's been awesome. I mean, we've caught so many tarpon this year, I honestly couldn't count. Really? And, yeah, it's really been a good year. But the problem is now we've got fallen into this kind of late summer pattern, the, the heat of the summer, the dog days, and um, we get this, you know, uh, afternoon thunderstorms most of the time, but now we're getting all day thunderstorms. Wow. So starting kind of on the third, fourth of July, that got to raining pretty good and it's been blowing pretty good. You know, pretty much anytime we have rain in the forecast in Florida in the summertime, it's going to come with lightning and it's going to come with wind. Yep. yep. So that, that makes the, the beach fishing, the tarpon stuff difficult. But the good news is that's not all we got this time of year. Um, you know, if you don't want to go do the snapper stuff, uh, the bay fishing, um, it's not easy all the time, but it's very doable right now. Right. Uh, and I actually just got in from paddleboard fishing. We actually canceled our tarpon trip today, but that's why I do this for a living. I yeah. mean, I'm a nut about fishing. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter what day it is or what the weather's like. And so we canceled our tarpon trip today. Couldn't couldn't do that. Um, but the rain passed through about lunchtime and. Um, and it was blowing. I'm not going to lie. I knew I wasn't going to be able to <laughs> paddle across the bay or anything, but I got this marsh right here behind my house and found a few redfish. So okay. even on these days where, you know, it's, it's tough conditions, um, you can find something that'll work. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, you know, last time I think it was, um, I think it was the last time we spoke, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, how those redfish kind of react to this heat in the shallow yeah. water. So what what did you find to be the case when you were out on the paddleboard? So today was one of those circumstances that we kind of talked about. We had a lot of rain this morning. Okay. Um, so we actually had a little tropical system move through last night. And, you know, I, I guess it would be hard to go back and look at the radar in the past. But if you could look at the radar in the middle of the night last night, I mean, it looked like a hurricane coming ashore. It was spinning, had an eye. It was really? very well formed. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, if it had stayed out in the Gulf any longer, it probably would have formed into some kind of named storm. Um, yeah. But it kind of made landfall just south of us, kind of uh, right on, uh, I'd say, Port St. Joe. Okay. Um, but anyways, just pulled all this tropical moisture up with it. So with that being said, this morning, I mean, we had heavy rain, um, a lot of wind. So what that does is on those shallow flats, it cools them off. Sure. And that's what was ticking in my head as I'm sitting here on the couch eating breakfast, which I never get to do this time of year. <laughs> I'm watching this, you know, just water just getting dumped in the bay. And I'm thinking, you know, as hot as those flats have been, as soon as this rain lets up, I bet you it's going to be game time. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, um, you know, I let it pass through and jumped on my paddleboard and just paddled out there and, um, you know, I'll catch some fish when I do that, but I'm almost surveying more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these are kind of like my pet fish and, and <laughs> every once in a while I'll find one that just looks like it needs to be caught. But a lot of times I'm just trying to kind of see what the numbers look like. And I just like watching them sometimes too, you know, yeah. kind of, I'll follow them around a little bit and let them kind of work up through the grass. And, um, you know, it's kind of cool just to observe sometimes. But the, the numbers of fish I saw up there was pretty impressive. Um, you know, they seemed to be pretty active. The ones I did flip a bait to seemed to jump on it pretty quick. So, yeah. so that was one of those circumstances that, you know, after the rain, the water cools down. We had a good high. You know, we got a big full moon right now because it's these huge tides. Sure. Um, so midday today, we we're kind of right at the top of the tide. So the water's really high uh, back up in that marsh and, you can't get boats up in there very well, but if you're on a, a super skinny Poland skiff or a paddleboard, you can, or a kayak, you can get back into those areas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's pretty good action. You know, something I bet impacted that too. And, and when I kind of started going into the question, I honestly forgot about the, the aspect of the rain being, being a very important part of, you know, like you said, when the rain stops are going to be yeah. flooding in there. Well, you've also got, uh, and I don't know this, but I'm going to guess, but with all the wind and obviously clouds and the rain, that's kind of like, you you know, several days or on and off kind of for a couple of days. Um, you know, that water, the, the water temperature was probably down a pretty good bit 
I mean, you know, not just because oh, yeah. of the rain from, you know, earlier right. that day, but, uh, you know, for a couple days, and then you got cloud cover. I mean, anytime That's you have exactly that and wind, right. you know, it's probably the temperatures, you know, like in the 80s all of a sudden. So, yeah. you know, that all impacts it. So, um, that's exactly right. You know, that's a good point too. You know, it's just like you walk outside in the bright sunshine and, and you touch a dark surface. It's really hot. Right. Um, you know, and then you go sit in the shade and it cools off a lot. So yeah, you got the, the rain cools, the water, the cloud cover, um, the wind act, you know, the, the, just the, the water kind of gets turned over and mixed around a little bit when you have that wind activity. Right. Those all play into that water temp cooling off and that's all they want to do is be comfy. And when that water cools off, those fish are a little more comfy. Yeah, makes sense. Do you so? Let's say you know this time of year. Um, uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, everything's on the table, but kind of the highlight reel these days is tarpon and snapper. So yeah. Um, let's say you don't want to fish for tarpon or snapper. Let's say you're yeah. just completely insane and you just don't. No, want to do it. it's not insane at all. Because I'll be honest with you, you know, you get a, you have a few different really good options in the bay. Um, I mean, you're, during the summertime, we have a really good morning topwater bite. The yeah. reason a lot of guides don't do it, it's just really short-lived um, as far as the time of day. Right. It's not something that we're going to be able to go make a four- or six-hour trip out of. Right. Um, that's not to say you can't incorporate that into your day. Sure. So so you look at, leave the rest of the stuff out, just topwater red fishing. For that first hour of daylight, it's some really good action. And yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I would imagine it doesn't matter that much. Obviously, there's areas that are better than others, but it doesn't matter that much where you're at. If you're on a grass flat and you're up fairly shallow, let's say two feet of water, you're going to catch redfish. You're going to catch a few big trout. Um, you know, you're going to find some good action. There's usually some black tip sharks up there you'll see. Yeah. Um, so it, it just right there, top water redfish at daylight and then midday if you get these storms you go out on this high tide get it's kind of like the the east coast seas where they see these flood tides sure um you know for us it's on a smaller scale but a two foot of tide will put water up in this you know spartana grass where it, it typically is not right um, and you'll see fish get up in there so you can fish that midday real high water and then in the afternoon in the summer we typically always have this falling tide um because if the tide tops out in the middle middle of the day, it's got to fall out eventually. So right. on that falling time afternoons, that's when you can go to any of the bridges in the panhandle. You're going to have big bull reds coming up on the surface, busting crabs. You can catch them with topwater plugs, swim baits. Um, I tell you what, one thing I like, DOA makes this giant shrimp. And if you'll throw it up current and let it just kind of swing in the current, yeah, um, we catch red fit, those big bull reds on those. Okay. Um, or in any of the passes, pretty much you'll see that same uh, same thing happen. So there's three different times a day that you can fish three completely different things. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I, I tend to lean that direction just because, for me, um, some of it's logistics. Um, yeah. I don't come down there and stay. A lot of times I'll leave super early and get home super late, but that kind of rules me out for, like, the – you know, the, the very like first hour of daylight bite, Yeah, you know, and and that's, and I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, I guess I could leave a little bit earlier, but I mean, we're talking like three (laughs) 30 at this point. So I don't, you know, I I don't want to leave any earlier and I don't really want to get home any later. So we, I usually fish, um, on, on those trips, you know, I get there at eight or so, get to where I'm going. And then I'm usually pulling back out at four or five and kind of get, but you know, I, I when I'm down there with a length of time, I love catching that that first light. You know, oh, so yeah. so many things are active first light. I mean, uh, you know, tarpon obviously are at their best. <laughs> you know, first yeah. light, and then everything is kind of active. Um, but uh, you know that you kind of describe what I like to do, with the exception of the first light part, just because logistically I really can't. But I'll hit yeah. some flats as early as I can and just see if there's anything happening there. And, and in the summer, I'll move to the bridges because there's always something happening there. Oh, know? yeah. And uh, and then just kind of play it by ear from there with, uh, you know, with the weather and other things that kind of dictate where you go. Um, yep. But those are, you know, that's some really good suggestions because I was thinking, you know, if I, if I can't run the beach for tarpon, because I'm very weather dependent on, on that sure. fishery. And then, uh, you know, everybody is to a degree, but people with little, oh, yeah. little skiffs, they, you know, we have to really pay attention. Yeah, um, and I w- I'll say on the other side of that, you know, sometimes you say your boat's a limitation, but 
really that's not that bad of a deal because I'll be honest with you, I probably had the best boat built to do that type of fishing. I mean, that's what I built my tower boat for. Right. Well, the other side of that is when it gets rough out there and the water clarity is not good or, or the visibility is not good and it's overcast, you know, sometimes I'll try to push it and really you just shouldn't because if, if those conditions aren't very good for it um, and, and it's rough out there, your boat's banging around, you're making noise, you just don't catch a lot of fish on those days. So yeah. it, it is a very weather-dependent fishery, whether you want it to be or not, and it really regardless of what boat you have. Yeah, and see, I just, you know, I um, I keep saying that over and over, and for some reason, and, and to be honest with you, it's after talking to you guys, I've never had a whole lot of interest in, in fishing on the beach side of things, except yeah. for when tarpon are there. And yeah. um, But after hearing you guys, I'm re- I really want to do that, you know, like more often than I do. And so yeah. then I'm like, well, it's going to, you know, even on just a normal day, you know, two foot seas in a 16 foot skiff is, is yeah. you're not going to sink and you're not going to be, That's it's right. not going to be scary, but it's going to be unpleasant. You yeah. Know? It's not comfortable. And like I said, there's a point where, uh, you know, even if you are on a boat like mine, that's going to handle that better and, and make you more comfortable. It's still, once the conditions get to a certain point, you know, you're not very effective. Right. Efficient. Right. So. So a couple other questions I have for you about the bay fishery because we're kind of on this note. Um, yeah, mangrove snapper or, or a big fishery always, always, yep. and I know that's something you like to catch. And and also I I keep hearing, um, and I see pictures. I don't know, but uh, but people seem to have some spots that, that they pull up red snapper in the bay system, and I don't doubt yeah. that. So that's, that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, are, are there any? Um, I don't know, obviously pu- public areas that, that that kind of fishery, you can you can still kind of get after these, these let's say red snappers. Yeah. yeah, red snappers specifically. All of our bays have them in the panhandle. Well, I would say, I shouldn't say all of them, from Panama City West. Okay. Um, I don't think in St. Joe Bay there's any real uh, fishery for them. Now, there could be that I just don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, same thing heading east of there. I, I just don't think that that exists. Right. And that's because you don't see the water depths that we see in our bays. You know, right. we have a lot of places in our bay uh, that you can see 50, 60 feet of water. Right. I mean, in our past, you see 60 feet of water all the time. Yeah. And there are red snappers in our past. Um, you know, you talk about public places. Well, th- there are red snappers there. There's red snappers at the bridges. Um those are public places that you can catch them. Now, can you really target them there? Yeah, to, to some degree, but it's very difficult. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of other stuff there, too. There is. So there's you're, so you're going to be sifting. Yeah, you'll yeah. be sifting through everything else trying to target. You know, but that's that's, right. that's where the, the good news of the having such a the small uh, the small keeper quantities kind of play to your yeah. advantage there. It's like, all you need to you know and I'm, that's so right. it's a full day of red snapper fishing that's might's right might's yeah. and then if you catch some some gag groupers and some big bull redfish and stuff like that as bycatch hey. i mean that doesn't sound too bad that's a win yeah <laughs> that's and, right. and, and that's kind of why i'm asking because i i, I would have guessed what you just said and so that sort of solidifies what i had in my head of you know just dropping baits how do, how do people how do people catch those i mean is it the same concept very a, similar yeah so cigar Dead minnow kind baits. of deal or live yeah. okay yeah pinfish cigar minnows um yeah people fish for them in the bay pretty similar to you would fish for them offshore just with a whole lot of patience yeah when you see people holding up and it does i mean i've done it myself that you know caught some really nice catches of red snapper in our bays and it's not that you pulled up on a magic spot fired down you know four baits and bam four keeper snappers and you're heading home or, or whatever you know however many people you have but right. it, there was effort that was put into that there's a lot of patience sure um certain spots are going to bite at, at on certain tides uh pretty much always is going to be better on moving water right um so there is some you know there's some technique things like that that are going to help out but i'd say for the most part uh people that do it consistently um they work hard at it it's yeah. it's it's a tough fishery but i tell you when it's really rough offshore and you can pull out a couple of snappers out of the bay it's pretty cool yeah yeah and that's my thought is again you know I, i'm thinking in terms selfishly i'm thinking in terms of what can i do when i'm yeah. when i'm down oh, there yeah. and you know well, that's good that i mean that, that 
if you find something that you like to do, I'm sure your listeners are going to want to do it as well. That's it. I'm thinking I can't be the only one that has a, a boat yeah. that can't run, you know, miles offshore. So how can I still, you know, put a little meat in the freezer this time of year? Yeah. And, and, and I'm curious, too, about the mangrove snappers. So what, what's the best way you found to target those? Is it just a live shrimp or? or... No, any, any, any bait. I'll tell really? you, yeah, they are probably one of the fish that eat any, I mean, I shouldn't say anything, but live shrimp, uh, pilchards, menhaden, um, small pinfish, uh, you know, I mean, it seems like any type of live bait, even dead baits, um, yeah. they, they'll usually bite. To me, what sets people uh, apart catching mangrove snappers is attention to tackle detail. They are extremely leader shy. You're not going to go out there with 25, 30 pound leader and a big lead and and tie you know a one or two foot leader you need uh, a small lead that you can just kind of cast near structure and and let kind of sl- sink slowly yeah um you don't have to fish right on the bottom a lot of times the snappers are suspended up in the water but you need to fish a really long leader and when i say a long leader at least you know six foot okay if you fish six foot leader a full arm length um you know i like to fish 15 pound fluorocarbon okay and then a small, little small circle hook. And you want to hook your bait in a way that it can swim naturally uh, where the hook's fairly hidden. Um, you just have to make it look as natural as possible. And I think that's why a lot of fishing guides around here like to kind of pride themselves on mangrove snapper catches. Yeah. And I would be one of those. <laughs> uh, it's because they're smart. You know, they're yeah. hard to catch. They're not huge. They're not flashy, but they're extremely good eating. Uh, and they're fun to catch. Yeah. Well, and... So, how, do you set that up like with a, a swivel, like a Carolina style, like an egg sinker? Or? I do. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you, I fish uh, anywhere from like a half ounce to a one ounce uh, lead. Okay. Uh, on, you know, most of these rods that we're fishing with have 10 pound braid, 15 right. pound braid. Um, you know, and then to a swivel, and then, you know, that's when I'll put about six feet of 15 pound fluorocarbon. So, so effectively, you're, let's say it gets to the bottom. I mean, your bait would theoretically have a six-foot radius. That's right. To, yeah, so that, that can that's freely a big, swim. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, that I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done that had you not just said it. So. Yeah, and something else too. Don't feel like you have to be touching the structure. Um, you know, let's say you're fishing a bridge piling, for example. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, your lead touching the the structure. Right. It doesn't have to be laying on the bottom. A lot of times I'll fish out away from the structure, sometimes 10, 15, 20 feet. You know, I, I like to experiment. I like to kind of spread the baits out. Right. Some of them just let the lead lay on the bottom. Some of them maybe reel them up a few cranks and get them up a little higher in the water column. Um, and it's amazing how sometimes the baits that are really not even that close to the structure get bit. Yeah. Huh. It is funny how the, it's it's like the one you, you think is in kind of the worst spot of the bunch. Yeah. Ends up being the one that gets bit. Oh, it happens to me all the time. It took me years to figure that out. I, I would have, let's say I got three anglers on the boat and they all cast out, you know, and you got one guy A up front, you know, bounces it off the bridge pile and I'm like, okay, well, at least he's right up close to it. Right. The next guy, you know, gets, you know, he's five feet from him. I'm like, eh, I might get bit. And then the next guy casts the wrong direction and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, well, he's just wasting his time over there. Right. And also, bam, that rod gets bit. And I go, well, okay, yeah. I'm glad I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it can. It, it, this I tell you, this is a sport that can humble you. No, 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 matter, right. no matter how long you do it, there's always yeah. something that uh, like that that can happen. <laughs> well, listen, uh, that that's some awesome information for you know things outside of kind of what we've been talking about the last few episodes, and and really, I just kind of wanted to get a feel for you know your thoughts on on some of the other stuff, you know, because if yeah. you know, if you're in a position like you were in you really can't go out and chase these tarpon because of whatever yeah. weather issue. And, you know, you can't run offshore, but you you can squeeze in a couple hours inshore between storms or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot that can be done, you know. And and not only that, but it's, you know, uh, it, you, you mentioned bridges. I mean, you know, those bridges are, are kind of all, almost strategically located where, where wherever you are in the base system, there's a bridge relatively close to where you are. You know. Yeah, and they, you know, it is cool. Um, there, there is a reason that bridges, other than just the structure themselves, are always seem to be full of life, is because as humans, we like to be as efficient as efficient as possible. And when we build a bridge, we want to build it where the land is closest together. 
Right. So it's kind of a pinch point, you know? Yeah. If, if, if you have a bay that's half a mile wide at one point and then two miles across at the other point, you know, you're going to go where it's a half a mile apart, and that's where you're going to build your bridge because right. it's the closest. So it's basically a bottleneck. Yeah. And so bridges are always built of those bottlenecks. Um, and so you're going to speed up the water flow through there, which is why you always have, you know, these big tide movements through there. Obviously, the structure themselves help, but there's more to it than that. Yeah. Um, that make most bridges, you know, really good places to fish. Yeah. And, that you know, that makes sense. And, and that's that's a little piece of logic that I've never thought about. But it makes perfect sense. And when I envision, you know, the Hathaway Bridge in, in your part yeah. of the world, it's exactly that. Yeah. You know, and they call so you can take that same logic and apply it to different parts of the bay. Yeah. And get similar results. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome, man. Well, listen, tell us how to get a hold of you because tarpon are still running through there. And speaking of, we didn't talk a lot about them, but, but so uh, let me just back up before we get to that. What, okay. what are you, so you've, you've said, as we've talked about tarpon all along, that and you, you and I are not going to be able to end a conversation without some kind of legitimate tarpon <laughs> being. So, right. but you've said all along that, like, basically now is kind of the yeah. peak of the tarpon migration in the the. I'll say the Panhandle, but in Panama City yeah, specifically. That's so, are you have the numbers gone up like we would have expected since the last time we spoke? I mean, it's as good as it can get. You know, okay. I mean, we're seeing fish consistently throughout the day, and. Unfortunately, at this point, yes, we'll uh, week by week start to see fewer and fewer fish. Right, but it's so it's there. I mean, the numbers yeah. wide, you don't see uh, like a lag or anything at this point. Like no. Kinda, okay. Well, good. Well, good. So now we're peaked out, and that's not good because now we're on the downhill slope. I hate that part of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I, I mean, good in terms of you know, in, yeah. in my mind, as a person who hasn't been on the water in, in a while, about about a month. We, uh, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, a few, a few, a few, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, it's going to just increase to this about this point and then begin to decrease. So yeah. I was just curious because it seemed like for a while there it was kind of running a week or two behind sort of what yeah, it was. Normal. You're right. We had kind of a, uh, a cool May, I should say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first of June, our water temp was running a little behind, but, uh, no, yeah, once it busted loose, they were here in full force, and they still are. So yeah. we just need, need, need the weather to cooperate and clean up so we can get back after them. There you go. Well, awesome. So, okay, now tell us. <laughs> tell All us how right. to get a hold of you. You go to PanamaCityInshore.com, and we got a listing of all our fishing guides on there. Um, all our tarpon trips, unfortunately, for this year are booked, but I'm booking stuff right now for 2021. So if you want to go catch tarpon, uh, give me a call, send me a text on my cell number, and we can uh, get you booked for next year. Awesome, man. Well, thank you, Captain Justin, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Sounds good, Brad. Thanks for that update, Captain Justin. Man, that is a ton of good information. So if you don't want to get out and, and, and do kind of what a lot of the other folks are doing or, or weather dictates you need to do something different than, than run offshore and uh, – you know, man, there is a great inshore fishery in the Panama City Beach area. And you know what I really like about talking with Captain Justin? And I hope you guys enjoy it, too. He really has picked things apart and and understands kind of the science behind what's happening. Um, you know, he mentioned the, 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 the reason why some of the bridges are, are located where they're located. And, man, it just makes perfect sense. I've just simply never thought about it that way. And, and so... You know, those weird bottleneck-type scenarios where, where the tide kind of gets funneled in and speeds up. You know, you get a little more, a uh, little extra current going through those areas. It just really makes sense. I mean, he, you know, I just I really enjoy um, how deep he takes uh, some of the science behind uh, the fishery there. And there's just so much to learn, you know, with, with all that. And, and I, you know, it's just such an informative conversation every time we were able to talk to him. So I hope you're enjoying that. And I certainly am. And, you know, a, a, an early morning topwater bite, man, you just can't beat that. And then you get, you're able to run into a, a, a red snapper or two, or at least have the potential to, to run into a red snapper inshore and, you know, mangrove snapper or plentiful. It's just a great fishery and, and a lot of great options. And, you know, even, he even spells out, it kind of plans out a day for you, um, which is spectacular. So, I mean, really, it's almost cruise control if you wanted to fish that way. I mean, you would put some fish in the boat, you'd have a good time, you'd get to, you know, shallow water fish, top water fish, deep water fish on the bridges, um, 
just really a great day. So I really can't thank you enough for that kind of information. Up next, we got Captain uh, Lionel James. Captain Lionel is going to tell us um, about a gigantic tarpon that one of his clients landed. And uh, he was lucky enough to get it on video. So hopefully that video will be coming out before long on his YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, the tarpon fishery is is really just wide open right now. And um, so we talked a lot about everything leading up to kind of this peak that we're in right now. And um, Captain Lionel is... Uh, it has done a fantastic job of kind of telling us how he chases those fish down uh, uh, down the beaches of the Destin, Florida area. So uh, so let's hear what he's got to say. I'm ready to hear about this massive, uh, this giant tarpon. So, Captain Lionel, how are you, buddy? Not too bad, not too bad. How you doing, Brad? Man, I'm doing great. It's uh, right. we've, we've kind of got past the, the 4th of July here, and, uh, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's hot and it's been rainy, but have you been able to get out and, and, and fish a little bit since we talked? I have, I have. The last week was really, really a good week, um, and this week has not been so great. It's uh, cloudy, rainy Monday and Tuesday. However, I don't even want to talk about that. I want, <laughs> um, I caught it. My, I didn't catch it. However, it was the biggest tarpon one of my clients ever caught. Really? On my boat that I've ever seen, and it was a two hundred and one pound tarpon. Wow! Insane. That is absolutely insane. insane. I, insane, right? But I want to tell you how this trip happened so i think we caught it on a friday thursday we went out and i and i said you know i shouldn't go out because um it's just too rough like it, it wasn't gonna happen and, and friday was the the, the day that i think that you know it was gonna work out best right so we ran the trip on thursday like i said didn't work out we cooked one but it was too it, it just it wasn't right so I, I called it early came home um i was talking to everybody at home my lady and my brother's here and i'm like man you know what I had all intentions of him coming out to film this for a YouTube episode, and I went back and forth to about nine o'clock, and I was like, "Brandon, just come." You know, I have a feeling tomorrow is going to be a really, really good day. It was just a hunch, and um, the lady uh, Jen and her husband Nolan came from, I want to say Texas, and we found a school. Her husband hooked one first, and it was probably like it was a small one, probably about sixty, seventy pounds. Yeah. Uh, and then of course it was her turn and, and we hooked this fish in probably the worst place you could hook it. It was right in front of, uh, I want, what, what was that restaurant? That's, uh, right on the beach, uh, that everybody goes to back porch. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was right in front of the back porch, right? <laughs> yeah. Right in front of the back porch. There's tourists everywhere. There's jet skis everywhere. There's boats everywhere. Let me stop you real and, quick. You, when, so when I came down to Destin earlier in the year and, and was able to fish the beaches, that's where I. That's exactly where I saw that huge school of jacks. Yeah. And and what's weird is, um, and I remember it mainly because I saw a, a giant a school of giant jacks there. But kind of in that area, there's like a weird, like little grassy thing that. Okay. You know what I'm talking? You may not. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. like it, it stands well, out because it's an anomaly. Right it's like rocks, or it's like the bottom's different. It kind of messes with you because you're looking for schools of fish, and it's like, what's that dark right. spot? I mean, right, you probably look at right. it, and you know, I didn't, but I, so it's like kind of right in there. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so that's probably the worst place that I wanted it. Like, yeah, <laughs> because for whatever reason, they were pushed a little bit closer and you're, and technically you're not supposed to be within 700 feet of the beach. Um, and the first fish we hooked kind of dragged the stair and I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm like, Oh, please don't call the police on me. Right. Uh, we're too close to the beach. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want this to happen right now. Uh, so we hooked that fish. And we hooked that fish at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, I automatically already know that, you know, we're going to fight it for an hour. That's kind of, that's expected. Right. Uh, when I tell you this lady was a champ, boss man, she was <laughs> a champ because she fought that fish for three hours. Whoa. Like probably two hours and 45 minutes, but we'll round up to three hours. Uh, it was just a massive fish. And by the second hour, I just, you just kind of knew that it was something special, yeah. uh, a fish like that size, I want to say it was seven and a half, eight, I think it was 89 inches total. Wow. Um, and I mean, she was a trooper about it, you know, uh, towards the end of it, her husband helped her out quite a bit. Uh, I mean, it was, but it's understandable, like to fight a fish, uh, for that long and then having the cameras there to capture all this on YouTube Yeah. and 
it was Brandon's it, first time seeing a tarpon up close like that and like having an appreciation because she would jump and then she'd come get a gulp of air and dig and get her closer to the boat and she would dig and then get her closer to the boat and she'd dig. <laughs> now we started in front of back porch and we ended up six miles offshore. That's how far. Wow. You know, yeah. So it was, it was a, 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 an incredible, incredible experience. I don't think, uh, I don't know how to top that. I don't even know if I'm ever gonna try. Like I'm just happy, happy hooking another one. And yeah, but it was it was insane to see, um, someone. She's a tiny, and that fish was just it was monstrous, man. Yeah, monstrous. That's crazy. And and so yeah. I mean, I, look, I've never fought anything for that long. I don't want to. No, I have no desire <laughs> to. I'll be upset if I if I hook into one and I've yeah. got to fight it that long. That yeah. is crazy. So I gotta ask, and, and I'm sure you looked, but what is the uh, the state record, world record, all that stuff? I mean, it's not far beyond. Is, what is it, Jay? Two hundred ninety. Oh, okay. Like, it's like two hundred ninety-eight. Uh, two hundred ninety-eight pounds. Like that's gonna that's gonna be t- hard to beat. Well, and I, I and I tell um, you something though, and uh, and uh, you've I, the listeners have probably heard of her, but uh, Meredith McCord is is pretty famous in the fly fishing world for for having a ton of uh, world records on yeah. fly rod. And um, I've, I've listened to her on various podcasts and kind of listened to her story. And so at some point back, I guess not that long ago, maybe 10 years or something, they, they split out. The, uh, the IGFA has a uh, female uh, tippet and whatever world record and right. then a male version. So I wonder, man, um, of course, with conventional you know, tackle, I don't know how that works. but I thought about it, and I'm going to just go look it up for, for, you know, just for hearsay. Yeah, but when he touched the rod, it, it, even if it was yes. a, a world record, when he touched it, it would have no longer been that. You know, yeah. so I was like, "Well, uh, to me, it's dope that it'd have been great if it was." You know, you go down in in, in the books, yeah, but we man. got it on film. We got the whole thing on film, man. That's good enough. Like, even better. Know, like, Some would argue even better. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's so wild, was, man. Two hundred and one pounds. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. did she swim away? I mean, was everything good after oh, that? Oh yeah, time? yeah. We revived it for about a half hour. Yeah, um, and she still like when we got her the boat. She still had plenty of life in it, so uh, we took care of her and enjoyed that part. You know, yeah. make sure she was nice and healthy, and uh, you know, she swam away just fine. So, um, it was it was quite the experience, oh, man. Yeah, man, that's that's unreal. That's that's once in a lifetime for you and her. You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is a for monster. Sure. For sure. So the thing about target fishing this time of year, though, it's like it's it's such it's so much fun. You don't know what size fish you're going to get. However, if you don't get one today, let's say you're fishing a school, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't get one. And you worked all day to, to try to catch that one out of school. You you literally say, OK, I'll see you next year because that's that's every day with the, t- the schools that you're seeing. Right. You know? Yeah. So you're not going to see them again until next year. That school is gone. It's gone west. And it's it's a bittersweet feeling because you're like man now i gotta wait a whole nother year you know? yeah. so this is tough it's been peak week and now it's gonna start to trickle down and i'm just like i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself when i leave yeah <laughs> me either and i you know my um so my boat is ready and uh it, it's got a nice brand new polling platform and uh yeah i'm i'm gonna go i'll be picking it up this weekend and uh and trying to get out i'm gonna I'm gonna if if it's calm enough, I'm gonna I'm gonna go after tarpon for sure. Yeah. Um. But I got. See, I don't know if Saturday Sunday's gonna be. Um. But just keep in touch with me. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's gonna to it's gonna be a Saturday Sunday. Sunday. It's gonna be a yeah. Sunday thing, and I'm just trying to kind of look at the forecast and see. And I and look, for I've sure. been real clear, man. I'll 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 be going out of Panama City. I will okay. if if I hit the pass and get yeah. through the pass, and it seems dicey, I'll turn it around. Because yeah, I got sure. polling. Fi- Look, man, I just got a polling platform on this bad boy. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll be pushing us around somewhere in some shallow water. Yeah. So yeah. It's, you know, either way, I'm good. But just because right. it's it's kind of the time to get after tarpon if the weather cooperates. Right. I can't be down there and not at least go see if it's going to cooperate. Got to try it. Got yeah. to try it. Got to try it. So. so I've got an idea, and I want to see if, if you've ever tried it or if you have any feedback on it. So – have you ever tried uh, catching tarpon with crabs? No, you know what? Someone mentioned that to me last week, and I don't. I think it would work just fine. You know, I think they would come up and get it. Any, you know? Yeah, I mean that's what I, I just never see anybody try that um, in this part of the world, and it, it just makes sense that that it would be something yeah. they would eat. You know? 
you know what? I'm going to do a YouTube on it. I'm going to try it before I leave out of here. There you See go. If it works. There you go. You know? You'd be our guinea pig, <laughs> man. Right. Hey, we might have yeah. just cracked a code, right? We, you yeah, might be just wearing them out. I was thinking, you know, you hang them under a balloon so you can kind of suspend them at the right depth and just kind of right. let it, you know, get it out in front of them and let it sort of hang out. But, I, you know, I don't know. I Just a, a crazy thought. So Right. See, I'm going to try to freeline it. Um, I never tried the balloon thing. I've just never been a fan of balloons just because sometimes I think they get in the way. Yeah. Um, but, hey, I'm going to try on air and see if it works. If we catch one, we're geniuses, right? Hey, man. Anyway. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, honestly, I got the idea from you just because I saw you um, at one of the videos you put out, you're using uh, blue crab for bait. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it was well before tarpon season, but I thought, you know, um, why wouldn't that work for tarpon? They eat crabs. You know, they right. honestly tarpon right. kind of eat anything, so crabs right. as good as right. anything else. Um, I think my only my only like hesitation to that is that as they move with um, the area, I think their their diet changes. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of bait fish here, and when they're down, I guess certain parts of times of the year, there's a, a crab. Yeah, uh, and hatch down there, you know. Yeah, like I, in the in the Boca Grande, it's like a right. they call it a pass crab. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure what that specifically is, but that's what they're really feeding on. So right, um, it, it's kind it would be kind of like the the Palola worm that hatches down in the Keys. And yeah, if you can catch the the that worm hatch, it is just the most ridiculous fishing that I think you can ever experience. I've I've never done it, but I've heard about it and seen it. And uh, yeah, and it's like if you throw a uh, a worm fly in front of these tarpon here it just doesn't fit it's like that's not right what's here right. they might it's eat it anyway but it doesn't uh, it's not natural we're gonna try we're gonna try it i'm gonna try it next week hey man well let us know there you go you, you're, sure. you're gonna be our guinea pig so, right. so the tarpon bite is 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 still on you're killing it with these big these big tarpon what else i mean what are people catching otherwise you know it's the staple is still um is still red snapper man we still got yeah. a couple more weeks of that so i'll still focus on that um a couple buddies on the outgoing tie got a bunch of bull reds the other day so i mean that's pretty much it uh as far as the trial bite i i haven't seen too much nor i'll be honest with you i haven't paid too much attention to it uh yeah anyway you know my, my mind has been strictly about the gulf but um you're seeing silver think- lionel <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah man so and I'll, I'll keep seeing that until they're gone um and then even when that shifts the 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 temperatures just start to shift a little bit maybe yeah and hopefully the water clears up and i'll go back to sight fishing for redfish on the beach uh that's just that's my thing yeah um but the fishing's good man there's there's mangroves to be caught uh man i saw a buddy of mine caught a permit in the uh in the harbor the other day i saw that uh, on facebook or i, yeah. I assume the same guy because how many could yeah. there be yeah. yeah but but it happens yeah i mean like so, I, I it's you know i see um these random facebook posts from people on the different forums in the panhandle and it's not i mean it's uncommon you know there's not a yeah, fish there's uncommon, not a fishery but, but it happens you know i wonder if you introduce introduce them to the area would they stay around you know i don't know like I, it, I think it all depends on what kind of winter we have yeah you know, because, like, I mean, yeah. I, you know, when, when you start talking bonefish, snook, even, you know, resident tarpon, tarpon are a little more prehistoric in that they can sort of handle whatever. But right. the other stuff's such a warm, wa- warm water fish that, you know, if we had a really mild winter, they might stick around. But I don't, like, right. season after season, I just don't know how that would work. Yeah, it's an idea of mine. I think, I think it'd be cool, but, you know, we'll see one day. Hey, I, I tell you what I'd like to see uh, is uh, is a snook fishery in the Panhandle. Yeah, yeah. See, that one's very hard to do though because they're so temperature temperamental. Yeah, you know, and they can die. But when I think about all the areas that I saw them die off, and I don't, I'm just like, this is just hearsay for me. Um, it's been in really shallower areas, and our bay is very deep, so they would have somewhere to go hide. Right. Know? So, like, introducing maybe a hundred large snook, you know, but how would that affect the bait and, and then the other competitor fit? You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I, I would like to get with some scientists out there. So, if there's any scientists out there listening, like, yo, talk to me. <laughs> Hit him uh, up. He, uh, he's he got yes. some ideas, man. New new fishery. Yes. You gotta. That's what so. you got to do, Lionel, is, is do that quietly and then be the yeah. only guy in Destin that will take you snook fishing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you got to do. For sure, for sure, my man, for sure. 
Well, awesome, man. Well, speaking of YouTube videos, uh, so when is that video going to come out? Are you still putting it together? I don't together? know, man. I've, I've been just recording, so I haven't put one out in a month, and I've just been recording, 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 so hopefully that I could put like one out every week for the next six months. But uh, I'm going to finish this one where I took my neighbors out, um, and I'm playing with a different style, too. Uh, I took my neighbors out red snapper fishing and tarpon fishing. I'm probably going to put that one out. Uh, right after that, um, doing a bunch of recording this weekend for a couple episodes. So, uh, well, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. Uh, well, you make sure we know so we can, so, oh, for sure. so we can look for it. Cause I really want to see that for sure. 201 but, pounds, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll shoot you some pictures too, man. Um, yeah, please do. But if you're, if you're home this weekend and you're on the TV, uh, super proud of my lady. She's been recording for South Walter Kitchen Adventures for the last three months. Okay. And their premiere episode is Sunday at 6 p.m. on the World Fishing Network. So Very nice. should be pretty dope, man. Should be pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so is she is she doing camera she's one work? Of the hosts on it. No, she's one of the hosts on there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. Okay. Yeah. So so that's uh, South Walter Fishing Adventures Sunday at 6 p.m. on the uh, World Fishing Network. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll try to check that out. And tell us yeah. your YouTube channel and how to find you to book a trip. All right, on me, YouTube is Lionel James Fishing. You'll see this handsome young devil. Uh, and then if you want to book a trip, you know, Uh Come holler at us out here. Awesome, man. Well, thank you, Lionel. I want to hear about this crab situation. So next week All we'll right. talk again, and uh, you, right. you can tell us uh, don't bother or uh, or it's I'll the, try it. the I'll ticket. I'll try I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lionel. Absolutely. We'll talk next week. Thank you for that update, Captain Lionel. Man, a 201-pound tarpon on uh, on Captain Lionel's boat last week. That is unbelievable, man. They're out there, and they are gigantic, some of them. Um, you know, that's not the run-of-the-mill size. That's certainly uh, an anomaly but man, they're in there, and you just never know when it's going to be uh, when it's going to be your turn to to have a three hour fight and get pulled six miles offshore while you're while you're fighting this thing, chasing it. Um, just an unbelievable story, and and I can't you know it's just awesome that we get to get to hear firsthand uh, accounts like that, and uh, you know hopefully there'll be many more as, as the podcast continues. But boy, two hundred and one pounds, I, I'm just I'm in awe of a fish that size. I, I've never had a fish that I've had to fight for for three hours in fact I don't think I've ever had to I don't think I've had a fish that I've fought for more than 30 minutes to be on let's call it an hour maybe and I surely you know an hour would would be uh would be an honest answer but three hours and look it's not 70 degrees outside you know it's it's 95 degrees you know heat index is probably getting real close if not at 100 degrees and for three hours, you're grinding it out with this 200-pound tarpon. That is uh, that is crazy. So, uh, you know, that's what you get here, man. Ripple Fishing Report, you're going to get firsthand information. And, boy, what a story that is. So, thank you for sharing, Captain Lionel. And, and listen, I really want to see about this uh, this blue crab for bait deal with a tarpon. So, I, I, hope, uh, I hope Lionel gets a chance to do that and can report back to us because who knows, uh, maybe that's a ticket. And uh, next up, we got Captain Brant. Captain Brant's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, catching red snapper inshore and the inshore fishery there in Pensacola. Pensacola is a, a deeper bay system, as you'll learn, and um, you know there's just areas that will that that are a little bit more attractive to those red snapper um, than some of the shallower bay systems, like let's say Panama City Beach. You know, we heard from Captain Justin earlier in the show, and and you know they come into the bay system there. And they come into you know all the bay systems, but they're you know it's just not deep enough for them to to really spend a tremendous amount of time you know. Um, but that's different in the Pensacola area. So Captain Brant's going to tell us how he, how how he targets those red snapper uh, in Pensacola Beach. Captain Brant, how you doing? Hey man, doing well. Awesome. So uh, it's been a couple weeks since we talked. Want to kind of touch base with you and see if you have uh, have been able to get out any? Yeah. Um... You know, I've, I've been out a couple times uh, over the last, I don't know, four or five days. Uh, you know, done done a similar trip each time. It, yeah, I've stayed kind of close. I've stayed in the bay. There's been a lot of thunderstorms lately, and so I haven't really ventured far out into the Gulf. Um, been catching a bunch of redfish and a bunch of big snapper in the bay, red snapper in the bay. So 
Okay. So, you know, I, I'm I'm curious about this concept of red snapper inshore because I I know that they can be caught inshore, um, but it sounds like you were you targeting the red snapper. Yeah, so you can target them absolutely. Like a couple of days ago, I went out and you know obviously the limit is two per person in the state of Florida, and I had I had a limit of 15 pounders in about 10 minutes. Really. Yeah. How do you, uh, obviously it's, uh, uh, is there any, I don't know, public knowledge that you can share as far as how to do that? I mean, is, is it, or is it just like tucked away spots you have that nobody else needs yeah, to know? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of numbers in the bay that hold snapper. I mean, there's public numbers that hold them, private numbers. The pass holds a bunch of them. I mean, the ones I caught the other day were in the pass. So, really? I mean, it just, yeah, it just really depends on the day. Um, those fish in there eat big baits. Okay. And you usually need to use big pogies, like cut, cut, cut big pieces, like a cut and half pogey, a live croaker, um, something like that. Uh, but yeah, man, there's plenty of, plenty of snapper in the bay. If you were to send a cigar minnow, a live cigar minnow down there, would, would they eat it or would it be like yeah, out of place? Absolutely, you're gonna a live. I've caught plenty of them live cigar minnows in the bay. Okay, so pretty much, I mean, and I guess a lot of things would eat a cigar minnow too. But you know, we've talked a lot about croakers for bait uh, over the last couple months, and I kind of like the sound of that, just because you're inshore and you know, there's a lot of other things you can pick up. You know, if the yeah, red snapper I, don't cooperate, I tend to catch smaller fish on live cigar minnows in the bay for some reason. So, like, if I'm targeting a larger like 12 to 15 pounders i'm going to use live poke like a big pogey or a croaker or something like that okay well that's you know that's very interesting because um i always look for that kind of fishery just because i'm you know i've got a little flat skiff so i keep saying that but it just it keeps me inshore you know whether i like it or not um, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, even gotcha. even on the crappiest of days, I can go find a, a bayou or, or somewhere to get and still get some fishing in, you know. Sure. Um, yep. So, you know, it's nice to hear that in snapper season, you're not kind of cut out if, if you're in that situation that I'm in. So, um, sounds like with some research in Pensacola, you can uh, you can find them in there for sure. How were you catching the redfish? Were they, they schooled up inshore or were um, they in the flats? Believe it or not, catching them – mixed in with the red snapper so the red there's red fish in like 50 foot holes in the bay and you'll catch them catch big bulls mixed in with the red snapper um so i was doing that and i was catching them uh at the bridges putting out big baits at the bridges as well okay yeah so, i haven't done a lot of light tackle flats fishing lately yeah well, I'm going to be heading south uh, this weekend, and uh, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I'm going to wait and see kind of what the weather forecast holds. But I'm really interested, and I, you know, I'm really interested in the the inshore red snapper fishery. It's a, I know it's a lot easier said than done, but it can be done. So you know, and I just want to put myself in those positions to do exactly what you just did. Put out some kind of bait, and if there's a red snapper there, maybe I'll catch them. But also, you know, redfish are, are kind of in there with it. Um, I'm sure there's probably some mangrove snapper floating around on that structure as well. Um, yeah, there's all usually all kind of stuff. Grouper, um, you know, uh, lots of like sharks, bluefish. Like you're, I mean, you know, you're gonna you got a chance to catch catch anything in the bay. Uh, bottom fishing for snapper, just yeah. kind of like you would catch offshore if you were bottom fishing offshore. Do you lighten it up at all, or is it just kind of the same general setup? Uh, you know, actually, you. You know, I tend to catch red snapper on lighter line in the Gulf than I do in the Bay. Like, uh, I have a tendency to go pretty heavy in the Bay because those snapper, it's shallower. And so those right. snapper will take you down and break you off a lot quicker in the Bay than they will in the Gulf. And for some reason, they fight harder in the Bay. I mean, it, it's those snapper are mean in the Bay. <laughs> do you do you think in, in – uh, in, because we talked to uh, Captain Justin about the Panama City – fishery and, and we talked a little bit about red snapper inshore like that um and it sounds like the the in the pensacola area the fishery might be a little bit stronger um just because you can actually go out inshore and target red snapper i mean you can try to do that in other areas but they're you're not always going to be successful you know well one reason is panama city's a lot shallower right than 
Pensacola. And so Pensacola throughout the entire bay is an average of about 30 to 35 foot deep. Plus you're going to get uh, period or uh, spots where it's 50, 40, 50 foot deep in the past 60, 70 foot deep. So uh, you got lots of uh, lots of room for those snapper to come in and breed and uh, other stuff like that. And so that's uh, we catch a lot of lot of them all over the bay and in, in our in Pensacola. Yeah. Well, you know that makes me wonder: do, is there a pressure on the inshore red snapper fishery in Pensacola? Yeah, it used to be a lot better than it is now. Really? Uh-huh. So they so they're going to be you know leader shy or whatever, just like the offshore fish would be, you know, probably about uh, now. Well, well yeah. Um, the difference is is the spots are getting hit hard, um, and so if you have some private spots that nobody knows about, then you, you, they won't be as leader shy, but they will on the spots that people know about. Yeah. So anything you can Google and figure out how to go catch red snapper inshore, and that, and this is going to apply to anywhere in the panhandle. They're probably getting hammered there, but exactly what you just said. If, if, if you've got some, some local connections that can hook you up with a number or two, then uh, you probably won't matter. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that makes perfect sense. What, uh, so we had a little tropical system move through this past weekend. Um, I guess that's what they're classifying it. Uh-huh. Al- almost, anyway, almost tropical, whatever it was. Um, but I think the weather is supposed to kind of heat up and sort of, I don't know, level out a little bit where it's not going to just be raining uh, as we get into the weekend. Um, what What's happening with the tarpon fishery and, and some of that uh, on the on the beach side? Have you heard anything, or is there any update on oh, that? Yeah, man, they're, they're hanging tons of tarpon, catching lots of tarpon. There's just hundreds of tarpon coming down the beach right now. Um, the Okaloosa Pier, I think the other day, they hung like 50 tarpon. Uh, you know, the other man. piers are seeing lots of tarpon. The boats are seeing lots of tarpon. They're just, there's plenty of them. So it's really just a matter of finding the the weather window to go chase them down. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So, and what about offshore? Because I know you like to run offshore, and I know that um, you know it, it, recently it hasn't been uh, desirable to be out that far. But um, have you heard from any of your buddies that are running offshore? I mean, is there any kind of update on that as far as the the grouper fishery or even the snapper out there? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of snapper. There's always going to be plenty of snapper. Um, not so much grouper. I haven't heard anything on it. I know they're catching still quite a few mahi-mahi out there um, if you can get out on a calm day and find those weed lines. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, you know, I, I'm an inshore guy, so I like hearing about that. And uh, and, and I'm really intrigued by the – because, you know, you're right, Panama City, much shallower, but Destin's pretty deep, and, and Pensacola uh, is pretty deep as well. So uh, I'm sure Destin's got some, some inshore snapper spots too. And uh, if you're lucky enough to know about them, that makes it easy, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So. Well, awesome. Well, tell us how to get a hold of you, Captain Brandt, and tell us how to find you uh, to watch your videos online. Yeah, just uh, hit my YouTube up, Angler Up with Brant on YouTube, or my website at www.captainbrant.com. Awesome, Brant. Well, I appreciate it, man, and uh, and we'll talk again next week if that works for you. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for the update, Captain Brant. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. You know, the, the panhandle um, in my mind has always been similar. Uh, you got, you know, Pensacola area and the bay system there and then you got the Destin Fort Walton area and the bay system there and then you have uh, Panama City Beach and the bay system there so in my mind you know there's not a lot of mileage between these areas you know and in my mind it's always been sort of uh, similar fisheries but you know as we as we talk to these guides that really know their area so well they are remarkably different and uh, from the water depth to to the way uh, the way the guides and the locals kind of kind of target certain species certain ways, um, you know, and have and have productive outings in certain areas, and and then you know other areas it, it, it may not work so well, or the fishery may not be quite as strong there. So, you know, that that that's the 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 beauty of having a podcast like this to get such uh, in depth local knowledge from these gods that that do this you know for a living they do it professionally and so um 
just tons of great information. And look, the red snapper fishery uh, sounds like it's rock solid inshore in, in Pensacola. So, you know, if you want to target those those red snapper and maybe the weather doesn't cooperate or, or maybe your boat's just not uh, equipped to run offshore and get after them that way, then you've got a fantastic fishery right there inshore. And so it's certainly worth uh, worth targeting those those red snapper. Well, that's our show this week, and uh, I can't thank you enough for being here, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something to, to take away from it and, and apply to your next uh, your next trip down south, and uh, and hopefully it'll make you a little more productive or give you something new to, to try out and, and uh, just a new adventure on the water, right? That's kind of what we're all looking for, and so uh, I hope we've given that to you uh, over the last 18 episodes. But look, subscribe to the podcast, share with a friend, and just check us out, man. I really can't thank you enough for being here, and uh, and I hope you'll join us next week. We'll see you then.